it was this lady, Barbara DeAngelis. I was mm. mentioning it to you before the podcast. And I remember a quote that she once said, and it struck home to me because I, I was kind of one of the people she was referencing. She was talking about when you see somebody that's, you know, you see the average person, like everybody needs attention. Yeah. But if you, but if you see the person out there that is like very like hard shelled and looks strong and is, they need 50 times more attention more. because like they're putting on this protective shell to show the world that they're strong. And usually they're the most sensitive people that need like that nurturing and caring. And I remember when she said that, I'm like, that's me. I'm like, that's, that's me. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm the, I'm fine guy. And this is a long time ago. I listened to her when I was in my mid twenties, but I was like, I was the, I'm fine guy. How's everything? Everything's fine. Everything's great. Everything's whatever. You know, always tried to be calm, cool, and collected, never wanted to show emotion. Mm -hmm. And it was the opposite. Like, I was always a super sensitive kid. Yeah. So, you know, it's just super sensitive person. I felt everything. Welcome to Confessions of a Financial Advisor, the antidote to conventional financial wisdom. My name is Al, and I've been a financial advisor for over 20 years. This podcast will explore the emotional and psychological factors that affect our behaviors. All of the other financial podcasts out there will talk about the numbers and the math. We will confront the stories that we all fuse with that ultimately set the course for our lives. I am not looking for new clients and have no intention on running for any kind of office. I'm going to tell you like it is and call out all the commonplace BS. Now, let's get into confessions of a financial advisor. Episode 13, we are on to the book of opposites and maybe the Zen parable. I'm here with Diane, my PIC, my partner in crime. Hi, Diane. Hey, Al. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. Glad you're here. Good to be here. So, book of opposites. Yeah. And sometimes the opposite is a better strategy. Like, that's a recurring theme in my head. Or what feels counterintuitive brings better results. Yeah. Like, the way you, you feel driven is a lot of times if you act the opposite of that, mm -hmm. you'd have a better outcome. Um, and I think of it with some past posts that we wrote, panic attacks, yes. back pain. So for anybody that's ever experienced like very intense anxiety, it doesn't have to be panic attack. Your natural instinct is to get rid of that feeling is to like, you don't, it's not to embrace the feeling. It's yeah. to get rid of it. This, I don't like this. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. I'm, I'm all worked up inside. I got to get out of it. So what do they do? They drink, they eat, numb. they mm -hmm. numb, they watch TV. They, yeah. They do stuff just to like, I don't want to feel this feeling. And with the back pain, which was strange, you know, so go, going from a lot of people out there, I know I've had back pain. You go from a point where you're literally like just sitting so gingerly and you walk around gingerly and you're, you feel every tiny little muscle in your back. And if you turn the wrong way, mm -hmm. everything hurts. You're just so hypersensitive to every sensation. And then after reading that book by John Sarno, it was just like, no, go lift heavy weights, go for a run. Mm -hmm. Just You got to rewire this. And then I did and no more back pain. I get just book of opposites. I'm like, that is the opposite of what I thought I should be doing. Mm -hmm. Yet it was effective. 
And it was, yeah, and it was effective. And I think it's just a good practice, as we were talking before the podcast, like it's a good practice just to, what, you know, what if I did the opposite right now? What if I thought the opposite right now? Mm -hmm. You know, what if I'm going through something? What if I just thought the opposite? You know, I, I tend to, I think most people tend to think about negative outcomes more so than positive outcomes. That's the way our brains are wired. It's the negativity bias. That's our default. Right. Yes. So you're always kind of like on the defense of like, how are things going to go wrong here? Wait a second. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. You know, what's the worst case scenario? Let's prepare for the worst. Exactly. But we rarely, at least I rarely project, well, what if things go great? Yeah, what, what if, this what goes if they, better than I'm expecting. All right, even that, just better than what I, it doesn't even have to be great, just better yeah. than what I'm expecting. Progress, <laughs> perfection. I mean, wouldn't that, that feels so much better, right? Maybe you'd be disappointed a little more. I mean, is that what we're protecting ourselves against? That the disappointments from failing at... Yeah, or being rejected or abandoned or... Yes. Mm. So then I, I think with, with the opposites go with investing, they go with working out. I mean, you could go down the line with... It's like every time we talk about a new concept, it kind of... You can kind of play it out this. in all the different stories of your life, mm -hmm. whether it's eating, working out, finance, pain, grief, like all these things... So investing, obviously what most people do, market drops, I'm scared, let me get out. Right. Market goes up, I'm never getting out. This is going great, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing. Buying high, selling low, not a good idea, right? You want to do the opposite. You want to do buy low, sell high. Sell high. But that's not your instinct. That's I'm, not what... You don't want to do it. No. So if you just did what your body wanted you to do or what your thoughts told you you should do, you'd always do the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a, almost like a reverse psychology kind of mm -hmm. thing. You have to like reverse your psychology on what you, what behaviors you think will be beneficial in any given moment. And start telling yourself different stories because we carry around so many stories that aren't even ours. Like we pick them up in childhood and it's like, well, whose story is this? You know, that yeah. I'm continuing to carry around. Money doesn't grow on trees. Yeah. No pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. <laughs> Sounds like a fun way to live life. <laughs> No pain, no man, no pain, no gain. So <laughs> working at working out, I mean, I, I completely relate to this. And this is going off on like a kind of like a bro tangent. But when I was in college, I lifted weights a lot. Uh -huh. And my main goal was I wanted to gain weight, I wanted to get bigger, I wanted to be stronger. And so I would read all the muscle magazines mm -hmm. and they would all tell you that you had to, for instance, like if you were working like your chests, mm -hmm. you had to do like 35 sets of chests meaning mm -hmm. 35, like you'd spend like an hour and a half just working on your chest. What they didn't tell you was that all the people that are doing these programs are on like outrageous amounts of steroids oh, and yeah. they can recover. You know, I would literally just destroy my body. I'd go home miserable because now like your whole body's broken down. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't get stronger. Like you'd just be miserable. And I yeah. just did this for years in college where I would literally destroy my body I'm like, I don't get why it's why I'm working so hard. And I'm well, like, they're doing it. What's wrong with me that I can't <laughs> achieve the same results? Like, I really thought that. And minor then, detail left out of the equation. Yeah. Fast forward to like now, I've been doing it for so long. Now I realize I'm like, wow, if I would have done like a quarter of mm -hmm. what I was doing, I would have had better results. Well, we talked about yeah. this with like, playing the drums or a hobby or even with writing or create any creative endeavor, you know, it, the more, more, more push, 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 like you get to a level, you can't just keep adding more because it's not sustainable. 
Yeah. You know, if I'm practicing the drums for an hour, well, two hours must be better. But if you can't maintain and sustain that level, then no, it's not more productive. We get so many mixed signals on that though. You know, I mean, I funny with lifting weights. I, I saw a thing with Arnold Schwarzenegger where he said that he only sleeps six hours a night. And he says when people approach him and say, well, Arnold, you know, I need eight hours a night. And he's like, no, you should just do six. You just got to sleep faster. That's like, (laughs) that's what he he said. That was the funniest quote. And it it was kind of tongue in cheek, you know, but that's like this mentality of like more, more, more and faster. And like, now you're going to sacrifice sleep. I mean, now we can't even freaking sleep anymore. It's like, we have to be working all the time. It's so ingrained. It's so hard to get out of that. It's culturally ingrained. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Like if you go to Italy, the Mm -hmm. opposite. Like if you go- Yeah, they're a lot more relaxed in other countries. Like what the hell uh, is that problem in the United States? Just like (laughs) the- Stress issue. I just have, I have a glimpse. I've been to Italy many times and like just guys would like walk with their hands behind their backs Hmm. and they would stroll. Like there there was no purpose to their walking. It was like just strolling around. They're not getting anywhere. It's so funny. Those are the people that I'm out in the grocery. I'm like, oh my God, get out of my way. I can't like, cause I walk very fast. Like I move fast. And yes, when slow people get in my way, I get upset about it. (laughs) My first experience in Europe and especially Italy was I remember that it took me like three or four days to just slow down to their pace. Cause I was like yeah. you, I was like, you know, running behind. I'm like, come on, let's go people. Let's go. Let's move. I'd be at the, I'd be at the restaurant. I'd be like waving the waiter for the check. They'd never give you a check. Oh. You sit in a, <laughs> you're a restaurant <laughs> in Italy. You'll yeah. sit there for four hours. Like nobody will ever give you a check until like, you're just there all day, huh. all day. And you have to like literally get them to give you a check. And then after a while, I'm like, it was like three or four days. I was like, Oh, my whole like body is settling Just down. Relaxed. I yeah. was like, Phew. yeah. And of course, you know, we do one week, two week vacation, so it's not long lived. Yeah. But <laughs> um, you go right back into like that grind of like, all right, let's go. We got to get moving. We got to get the moving. Frenetic. The the myth of more productivity is going to bring more fulfillment. I'm just a, I'm a hundred percent convinced that it doesn't. I'm I am. I am too. You know, I spent the last six months working most of. Every, Every day. day. I don't want to continue to live like that. Could I? No. Probably. But at what cost to my emotional well-being? Like, it's not joyful for me to live like that. Yeah, what are we doing it for? Like, wh- and who are we the, doing it for? Who are we the doing it for? the story that we're buying into that's running in the background that's influencing our choices and behaviors in that direction? Is it that our success is tied in with our self-worth? Is it, you know, that we need to live up to a certain ideal? Like, what's the ideal? I I can't, when I try to put my finger on it, I don't so much think of prestige. Like, I don't care about like, you know, being held up by other people or just having this like high powerful position. Yeah, Yeah, that was never my thing. Like money has limited use, I think. Mm -hmm. To a point it does and you could do a lot of good things, but even that, yeah. then what is it? So then like literally then I think about, I'm like, well, I try to live up to the good opinion of people that I like. You know what I mean? So like, I want to be in a good standing with people that I respect and I like. Mm-hmm. But everybody else, I couldn't give a crap about. Like, what's who do I, why do I care if anybody else thinks of me in a well, bad way? because someone's or, always going to not like you. Like, you cannot control how other people perceive of you, how they respond to you. You simply can't impact and control that. And we talked also with the 
very strongly with the book of opposites thing about the social media highlight reel and the very distinct, strong illusion of that coming back to like all these people who are, you know, creating these social media mess and presence talking about living their best life. And the reality behind closed doors is often quite the opposite of what they choose to share. Hashtag living the best life ever. Yeah. Usually that's a disguise and it's again, the opposite of what maybe they're feeling in their real life. Mm-hmm. So they're projecting this perfect person with a champagne glass, with a smile, image with a cocktail dress, image yeah. of success, image of waking up with a smile in full makeup, looking yeah. great at all times. Um, you know, all people are attracted to them. Everybody wants to be around them. Mm-hmm. They're successful. They're, They've got so many millions of followers. And yeah. Yeah. And so then you think... Well, if that's the opposite, then, you know, it goes back to like, you know, when you're walking around in public and you ask somebody, hey, how are you? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like that's everybody's response. Most people's response. It is. And if you look past it a little bit, like, no, nobody's really fine. I mean, you have moments that you're doing well, but everybody's going through life here. Yeah. Um, it's just a blanket statement of like, I don't really want to talk about it. I'm fine. Yeah. It's a deflective statement that shuts down the conversation instead of opening it up. And I also think when people project this air of like success and grandeur, it comes, you know, I, I think of a quote that I read a long time ago where it talks about like, people aren't exclaiming from the rooftops that the sun is setting. Everybody mm-hmm. just knows the sun is setting. Mm-hmm. So like, look, the sun is setting. Like, yeah, we all know that. They're exclaiming things that either they don't believe is true mm-hmm. or that they're unsure of or it's more of a projection of something. They're trying to project something that's not, maybe a polar opposite of what they're feeling. Yeah. There are people out there that will project this in a public spotlight and then go through something like a suicide or through like some sort of traumatic events where like they come crumbling down. And when you you don't see until that event has happened, it's only in retrospect, like looking back through their social media feed. Because that's the natural instinct. It's like, how did we, how did everyone miss all these? There had to have been clues. How did nobody see the, the red flags in this? But it's just creepy in a way to look back at, at it, someone like that's what they've chosen to share on social media. Yeah. Because it's often not very indicative unless you know what clues to really look for. Yeah. When it, when it seems over the top, that's usually a, a clue to me. That's something like a, like a tipping point where I, you know, I have, I told you I have a friend that been going through a lot of tough times financially has just held like many jobs. And anytime I'd see him, you know, you know, not seeing it after a while and say, Hey, you know, how you doing? I'm great. Oh, awesome. I'm doing so well. Oh, things are going so great. Like it's, it's almost like this over the top. I'm yeah. doing amazing. Like my life is great. I'm like, if I talk to you every, every time I see you, you're saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's like the telltale sign of, oh, this shit going on. And I almost want to be like, listen, man, you can talk to me about it. You don't need to put on this facade. I get it. I see what's happening here. It's almost like calling them. You don't want to call them out on it because that makes them feel worse. Like you really can't be that popular. (laughs) (laughs) Are you really that happy? It's like really that satisfying for you. Yeah. So, you know, and to almost combat that, I've gone out of my way to be even more personal with him. Like, so if he asks the question back, I'll say like, yeah, you know what? I'm actually having a tough time with whatever. I'll pick something, whatever. Mm -hmm. Job's been tough. I've been, you know, working a lot. 
haven't had much time to do the things I want to do. Like I'll try to not go negative, but just be more real. Be a real, like an actual human. And kind of try to show him it's okay to be real. And I like people like you when you're real. Like they people love you when you're real. Like (laughs) they don't just like you, they really love you. They love you because they relate to you. How do you relate to somebody on freaking Instagram that's taking a picture of their ass? Wearing a mask. That's yes, that is, or like we talked about the hilarity of dating profiles. Like, dude. Do you really look like that? First of all. Second of all, why is that what you're sharing? Gym yes. selfies. Oh my Say God. And then bathroom selfies. Locker room selfies. I can't even. I just <laughs> miss that one. Um, uh, yeah, but it's interesting what people will choose to cultivate and share on any sort of social media profile or website. Um, and I think what people are really hungry for are the conversations and people who are willing to pull back the curtain a little bit and just just be a little more vulnerable and talk about things that so many of us experience. There's so much that we experience that we have in common. And unless and until we're willing to have more real conversations um, and posts about those types of experiences, you know, we're not really having genuine conversation. We're staying on the surface. Yeah. And I always think of... um... It was this lady, Barbara DeAngelis. I was Mm. mentioning it to you before the podcast. I remember a quote that she once said, and it struck home to me because I I was kind of one of the people she was referencing. She was talking about when you see somebody that's, you know, you see the average person, like everybody needs attention. Yeah. But if you you see the person out there that is like very like hard shelled and looks strong and is, they need 50 times more attention because like they're putting on this protective shell Mm-hmm. to show the world that they're strong. And usually they're the most sensitive people that need like that nurturing and caring. And I remember when she said that, I'm like, that's me. I'm like, that's, that's me. Huh. Like I'm, I'm the, I'm fine guy. And it's a long time ago. I listened to her when I was in my mid twenties, but I was like, I was the, I'm fine guy. How's everything? Everything's fine. Everything's great. Everything's whatever, you know, always tried to be calm, cool, and collected, never wanted to show emotion. Mm-hmm. And it was the opposite. Like, I was always a super sensitive kid. Yeah. So, you know, just super sensitive person. I felt everything. Mm-hmm. And the fun- and I remember growing up, my mom would say the same thing. She would say to me, like, I'd get upset over something and she saw it and she'd be like, oh, you're just like me. You're really sensitive. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're sensitive? I'm like, you're like a- the most stoic person I've ever seen. Like, you don't huh. seem sensitive at all. Like literally, my mom was like this rock figure. She had a hardened like, mask that she hardened. learned to keep herself. And ninety nine point nine percent of people believed that mask. You know what I mean? Like she knew how to like, she pulled that costume off like you wouldn't believe. Mm. And so even me, I mean, as a kid, I'm like, I saw her as everybody that else saw her. That was the example of yeah. And then when she told me that, I'm like, no, no, you can't that, be sensitive. There's a disconnect with that, and so what I'm seeing you present. Yeah. Maybe that was one of the first times I kind of realized that, wow, all right. Sometimes People are portraying. It is true. Yeah. Book of opposites. Yeah. Well, the next part of our podcast here is maybe the Zen parable of maybe. I laughed when I read your raw writing. I'm like, of course you're sharing that pair. I've heard that for several years. And I've heard it too. Yeah. Yeah. And every time I hear it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. So the Zen parable of maybe, I'll try to paraphrase here. It's about, it's a Taoist story of an old farmer. So he's working on his farm and one day his horse runs away 
And everybody from the village comes over and says, oh, such bad luck. And then the farmer's response is, maybe. Maybe. And the next morning, his horse returns, and he's brought three other horses with him. And now the townspeople come over and say, oh, how wonderful. They have all these horses. And the farmer says, maybe. Then it goes on and on. So then the next one is, you know, his son gets on the horse, basically starts riding on the horse, falls off the horse, breaks his leg. Everybody comes around. That's so terrible. How unfortunate. How unfortunate for you. And the farmer says, maybe. And the final thing is where the draft is going on in the army. And so the military comes in and they want to grab the farmer's son to be in the military, to be on the front lines of this war. But they don't take him because his leg's broken from the horse fall from the day previous. And all the townspeople come over and congratulate him and say, How lucky you are. How lucky you are. Your son's safe. Oh, it's so good that he broke his leg. And once again, maybe. Maybe. So it's like you never know what the downstream effects are going to be. And it seems, at least in my personal experience, like most of the time, the hardest experiences wind up being some of the things that have changed your life in a positive way. The most beneficially transformative. You could never have really predicted something that was like really super tough that now 20 years later, you're like, thank God. You're so grateful that you went through that. Yeah. Like my divorce is certainly that for me three years out from it. Right. But in that moment. In the experience of it, I was not happy Mm -hmm. for a long time. And there's such a danger. I think we've talked a little bit about before the risk of assigning meaning prematurely to whether it's an experience or an event or something that we're navigating. It's if you're assigning meaning to it prematurely, you risk missing out on potential benefits that are held within it. It makes you rethink whether certain things are positive or negative. Maybe mm-hmm. there is no such, no such thing as a positive or negative. Maybe, Maybe nothing's totally either one or the other. Maybe there's always a mix of both within. Yeah. Or having the thought in the moment and when something is negative that, hey, you know what, down the road, maybe this could turn into a positive. Maybe just that little reframe, mm-hmm. you know, could help in that moment to like make it a little bit easier to get through that situation. Because knowing that you never really know the long-term effects of any situation that you're going through. We were also talking about the extremes. Yes. When people live in these extremes where they're like super, super high, it's like that mania and they're super, super low. And the whole idea of maybe is like cutting off those extremes. Bringing so that you, it both ends a little bit more moderate. Yeah. To, yeah. Like, like as soon a as less manic th- and depressive, like bipolar <laughs> life experience. I mean, yeah. My mind goes with this. Like that sounds bipolar. Like, yeah. Like if, I, if you ever get so high that like life is so great, this is perfect. I want to hold on to this feeling forever. That's not a great way to be. That's not a great way to live because eventually you're going to get cut down. Eventually life is going to show up at your door and grief, loss, or trauma is going to happen. Yeah. So I think it's a positive way of thinking to think that when things are really good, yeah, you could appreciate things being good, but just realize that they're not always going to be that good. And But on the opposite side too, when things are really bad, you got to realize that they're not going to always be this bad. So I think it's a good perspective shift. that I didn't have as a young person, you know? I definitely didn't either. This was only the last four-ish, five years, maybe. I think it's something that comes with age for most people. And I don't know if I would have heard it. I don't know when I was talking to my 20-year-old self. Yeah. If I would have heard that. You would have been open to I'd be like, get out of here. No way. I'm going to be traveling the world, sipping cocktails once I'm Uh rich. 
That's my 20 year old self talking. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'd be hanging I don't with know that I would have liked him, Al. I think I like this person. I don't think you would have liked him either. No. I would have been hanging out with Leonardo DiCaprio. That's right. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. So yeah, the whole maybe idea. I always, I always liked it. Because it always made me realize in every moment when people were telling me, oh, you know, you got it so good. You got this. Or anytime you're getting accolades... You start to buy into, oh, yeah, maybe I am better than I think, or maybe I, maybe I am all that everybody's telling me. And you start to realize, like, it's so much better to have that, I, that maybe concepts behind it. Like, well, all right. There's, yeah, yeah, there's a level of detachment, too, with stepping back from assigning meaning immediately. But we talked a little bit about this, too, with, like, when something, quote, unquote, negative, like whether it's the loss of a loved one or a traumatic event, people rush in and almost ambulance chase sometimes because... Like it makes them feel better about themselves to see the crappy experience that is going on in your life. Yeah, we've both been recently through traumatic experiences where we've had that. Well, or yeah, the ambulance. Yeah. yeah, people just want to pat themselves on the back for oh, you've got awful for you. It's like, well, how do you know? Like, maybe. I mean, my I experienced um, a physical assault about a year ago. And certainly that's going to show up in the second book that I'm writing because it's part of that experience in my life. And the people that came out of the woodwork. Flooded out of the woodwork. That you hadn't seen or heard from. And now all of a sudden. That I actively disliked in some (laughs) (laughs) cases. Even better. (laughs) Like all confused at why your name is showing up on something at my door. Yeah. But just, and and really stepping back and just going, I guess my role is just simply to receive this gift. Well, but yeah, you, that was a good, better reaction than I had. Yeah. Well, I told you the example of, I got a, this happened several times where I would get voicemail messages from people that had previously been on my contacts list that were no longer. And so I didn't answer <laughs> the phone. And I'm like, if I've removed you from my contacts, it's we don't un- need to be talking. It's an unknown number. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I had, they're calling, leaving these effusive messages. And I'm just like, I'm so sorry. I'm here if you need anything. And I'm like, yeah, I don't. And right when you were saying that, I'm like, that's exactly what happened to me. I I got, well, at least I think I got two of those calls. Uh, My mom passed away a couple of weeks ago. I got two numbers that came and it was just a text message. But like the text came in, it was like this long thing of like, I'm so sorry what happens. And I had no clue who it was. No clue. And they didn't put their name in it. So I had all I said was thanks. I appreciate it. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty much it. To me, the, the ones that got under my skin a little more were the ones that I hadn't spoken to. And like, we didn't, nothing bad actually happened. We just hadn't right. been talking in a long time. But for whatever reason, there's certain people that have their finger on the pulse of like every atrocity that's going around. Yes, totally. Extended families of all of their friends and families' lives and think that that's the best time to reach out, just always reaching out when you know, there's a death in the family, there's a trauma. It's like, I like people that are there like a little more often than that, you know? Maybe more consistently. Like, yeah, could we show up and have fun sometimes? Yeah, like and good times and bad. be so heavy? Yeah. Right. <laughs> could yes. we have joyful experiences with the traumatic ones? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how we got there from maybe, but... <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, so, maybe... I see those people as the townspeople in the story that are always just right there to jump in and have value judgment on whether an event is good or bad. And they lean toward enjoying the bad experiences of others. Yeah. And maybe they're teaching us a lesson of 
people that have integrity or people that we want to be friends with, that we trust. And so for me, in my experience, I just let it go. I'm like, whatever. It's thank you. I appreciate it. What else can you do? Right. There's nothing else you can say. Um, But it did illuminate for me some people that had been previously close to me that then shifted and were no longer close. And that was not comfortable or easy, but in every situation, it opened up space for other relationships to deepen. And there were people who, in conversations in months after the fact, had shared that at first they felt a little uncomfortable about texting or reaching out to me. And then they just basically said, F it, like, you're my friend. I'm just going to text you. And -hmm. I appreciated the close people that chose to do that for me. Because it really cemented and amplified the value and the strength of the connection with them. Mm. So there is always the opportunity, not just for relationships or connections to end within any so-called negative event. There's also the opportunity for relationships to deepen and grow. Yeah, that is a good point, right? And that's, yeah. Well, it comes back to the, I think it's a Maya Angelou quote, when people show you who they are, believe them. (laughs) And it's true. Maybe. It just gives you that whole frame of mind that when you see somebody that you're friends with and something traumatic happens, the friends that don't know how to react, because I've always been on the other side of that coin, you know, for the most part. I mean, I've seen other friends go through deaths in the family, traumatic experiences. I don't know what to say either. And I think they know I don't know what to say. Yeah. So I just try to say, I'm here. You know, if you need me, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And just let me know what you need. I don't know what you need, but I want you to know that I'm here and available. Right. I always think that's the, kind of like the best response. You don't need to do this grand dissertation of like God and prayers. Oh my God. And I got a lot of that going on, you know, while you're in my prayer. I had one friend that, you know, was telling me to say a prayer with him. Like, I'm not saying prayers with you. All right. It's not well, happening. And how well does that person know you if that's their not well. response? Like, not like, very, you know, very, I mean, again, it's like the pat on the back. Let me just pat myself on the back because let me get this out. You're in your traumatic experience. Let me get this out to feel better about myself. Mm-hmm. Drives me crazy. But your response is the best response. You know what? Let them get it out. Yeah. Be on their way. It's not about me. Like, it's, yeah. it's not. It's not it's, worth getting angry over either. Hell no. <laughs> I found it amusing, honestly. Every time it happened, I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah. See, but I get that new, I have that New York in me of like, just like, F you, you know? Like, don't don't try to feel better at my expense, you know? Just get the hell out of here, will you? That's literally like what I feel like on the inside. I don't say it, but I think your response is really, you just have to move on. What's the point? Well, <laughs> I won't deny that there was some... <laughs> Silent nephew on my part. Um, silent nephew, right. You can have the silent nephew. Some people were removed from access to my social media account. Accounts at the time I had more than one. Um, and that was my chosen response. I'm like, okay, you've shown me who you are and how you're choosing to show up for me. And so I'm removing this level of access to me. And that was my chosen. Answer. A little passive aggressive F you. Little... <laughs> Not really. I mean, but you know, not really passive aggressive. Just sort of like a little behind the scenes, cutting you off. Boundary in place. Yeah. What's you know? They had access to me, and actually, I dated a guy that got Instagram access to my personal private account. And then at one point, like we weren't talking anymore, and I'd seen him post something, and I'm like, dude, why are you still on here? No, 
like I'm taking you out now. And it was interesting because it was telling him like what he had posted was really a highlighted why I was no longer talking to him. So. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Maybe, maybe this end parable. So something good to kind of say to yourself when you're going through bad times or like really, I think the hardest one is when you're going through really good times. Mm. I think it's, not that it's easy to do it during bad times, but when in good times, I've always surrounded myself with good people. But for whatever reason, people that gravitate toward me are people that are manic, that are super high and super low. It's like, they're just, I don't have like the middle of the road people. I get like a lot of like all over. Cause maybe cause I'm more middle of the road. They feel yeah. comfortable around someone like me. So I remember in sales, like when, you know, people would get like these giant sales, you know, within oh man, they'd be high-fiving, chest bumping, I'm paying for lunch, I'm doing this, oh my God. Like, it would go on for days, you know, or weeks. And then like, if they had a bad month, they'd just be in the dumpster, like, just like awful. Yeah. They hated their life. This is terrible. Like, and I always got like a little bit of that, but I think I I was cutting off the extremes on either. I'm like, it didn't bother me that much. Right. Sometimes it did, but I mean, just not... I just never understood the extremes. I never understood how it would go so far out of whack in either direction. Mm-hmm. It just feels like a much more peaceful way of living to let ourselves off the hook of like immediate judgment of whatever's in front of us. Yeah. And judgment being also like just what's a benefit to your life, what's a positive in your life and what's a negative. Maybe we don't know. Maybe we have no clue. Yeah, maybe, and we again, can't predict the future. Huh? Yeah. And maybe again, it goes back to that book of opposites. Maybe it's the polar opposite of what you, maybe you think it's negative right now. Maybe it's going to be the most positive thing in your life, or maybe it's the most positive thing. It's the most, and it's the worst thing. It's like the lottery winner, the most positive yes. thing that could happen oh, to you. Brings yeah. people out of the woodwork. Your best, and then like two years friend. later, they had 30 family members that freaking took them for whatever they had. Yep. Not that that's always the case. I don't want to paint the picture for all lottery winners. But yeah, but you hear about these things. Like you hear about like the most positive thing becomes the most negative or the most negative, the guy that's down the dumps, that was an alcoholic, that was on the street, living home. in prison, becomes a best-selling author. Like, yeah, yeah, and millionaire. It's, yeah, there's no way to accurately predict the future. There just isn't. And those stories are showing the real extremes of this idea. But this idea could be used on like a small. A much more moderate level within day-to-day life. Right. Like the interaction you have with somebody where like you say hello and they didn't say hello back. Mm. And some people would be like, oh man, why didn't that person say hello to me back? I'm like, I feel bad about myself now. And now that kind of ruined my day. Or you could have the idea that that person wasn't even paying attention to me. Mm. I said, hello. They were like on their phone. They didn't even see me. Right. Had nothing to do with me. All those little things. Like there's all these micro kind of situations going on throughout your day. Totally. You're, you're making those little decisions on, right? Of and whether attaching it's positive. meaning and telling yourself a story and interpreting what has happened. I always, I always have this funny thought. Our psyches seem to be so weak in a sense, because I, when I think of this, I always think of this day, this sounds terrible. You wake up in the morning, right? And everybody mm-hmm. you interact with just gives you like a dirty look. Mm. Like imagine like for just one day, one day you go to Starbucks and you're like, uh, you know, oh, good morning. And they're like, ugh. <laughs> right? And, and then you're like, why would they do that? All right, let me get my coffee and go on my way. And then like yeah. the net, you get in the Uber driver and they look back and like, ugh. And everybody's yeah, giving you like this. psychotic and yeah. Yeah, or everybody's just kind of like giving you like a sneer or like just not being nice to you. Like if you did, dealt with a whole day of that in a row, you would be like, 
you'd be a mess by the end of the day. Totally. (laughs) Or the opposite could be true too. So if like you spent your whole day and everyone's like, oh my God, how are you doing? Oh, you look so happy. And and then like by the end of the day, you're like, wow, I'm a great person. And yeah. what what's the difference between who you are? It's just the, the interaction. Day. Well, the it's end- it's the interpretation and the meaning attached to the micro events. That meaning and interpretation becomes cumulative over time. And, and then we yeah. start making up stories about ourselves that are reflections of that meaning, which is just a dangerous slippery slope. Well, I, w- I always think like that kind of situation or that kind of story I just described Mm-hmm. Just represents how we're so influenced by how other people interact with us. We can be. Can be. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, right? So that same person, right, mm-hmm. that had all those negative interactions could walk away at the end of the day and feel just as good about themselves. Like, and- I hope all those people have a better day tomorrow. I'm going on about the rest of my day the way I want to. Wouldn't that, I mean, what a great way to be, right? Wouldn't that be... That's the ideal. Like that's the ideal kind of interpretation. It's the ideal analysis you'd want on each of those interactions. Like that's eh, a much had, more fun way to be. Had nothing yeah. to do with me. Yeah. They're going through their own thing. They're I feel sorry. I, I wish them well. <laughs> but I'm not going to get down a wall in the mud with every person I interact with. Like you know, I go, oh my god, this happened to me again last week. I joke now. I'm like, who needs networking events? I just go to grocery stores and run into people that I know all around Charlotte. So I'm in Harris Theater last week and I run into the husband of a couple that I haven't seen for more than a year. And we both kind of look at each other like, hey. <laughs> and so I we stand you. there catching up for like 15 minutes. So yeah, you just never know who you're going to meet or what conversation is going to be enlightening or inspirational. Like I told you the story of my Lyft driver that now we're connected and encouraging each other's writing. I'm like, what the hell? Like yeah, in a city I've never been to, this Lyft driver that happened to pick me up and we're buddies. Because you, you err on the side of being, you know, optimistic. Being genuine about, and yeah. Yeah, I wonder how good this could get. Yeah. Fantastic. Which was not always my default operating system. I would call myself a cautious optimist now. I am still skeptical. Cautious optimists. Yeah. Is that possible? Yeah, I guess it is. It is for me. <laughs> it's a good description. It's kind of like a... Are you thinking of a juxtaposition? Ox- oxymoron? Oh, oxymoron works. Is it oxymoron? <laughs> right? Like, you know, a giant yeah. shrimp or like, well, you I know... Well, I say cautious just because I'm not going to jump into things. It's just like recklessly. I, like, I understand. I'm going to get a feel for how I feel about the intent and the vibe and the yeah. person. Right. I I'm, don't need I'm to be cautiously with optimistic. It's like I'm pessimistically optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. You said it the best way. You're right. Cautiously optimistic. I get it. <laughs> like, I'm just, yeah, let me see how I feel about this before I continue to say yes. And yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to be. Well, that pretty much wraps it up, Diane. We did the yeah. book of opposites, we did maybe the Zen parable. Literally, if you Google in maybe Zen Parable, it comes right up. I think it's a good one to like read every once in a while and just. It is a good reminder. Yes. So that's episode 13. Next week, we're going to do a very heartfelt episode. It's called My Mom and Dementia. It's episode 14. And I'll just say now, my mom passed away two and a half weeks ago. It's been a long road, it's been five years that she's been sick with dementia. And so this is kind of my story of her and just what I've dealt with with her, what she's dealt with over the last five years. Um, I moved her from Florida up here to Charlotte, North Carolina, and 
She's gone from every stage of dementia, from assisted living to skilled nursing to full-on nursing home and lots of things in between that we'll get into. But please, yeah, follow us at FAConfessions.com. Like, share, subscribe, comments. Review. Review, yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with My Mom and Dementia. We might include another post that I have about my mom called Alone Together. We haven't decided yet. We will see you next week. Thanks again, Diane. Thanks all.